This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Always good to talk with you, John. How are you doing? Hey, Jalen. Uh, it's good to see you. Good to hang out. Um, yeah, it's been good. I've had a moderately busy week. Um, part of that is I am preparing to, to preach at another church, um, in two Sundays. And so I'm excited for that opportunity. It'll be first, my first time guest speaking at a Bay area church. Uh, and actually even when I was in Chicago, uh, the Chicago area, I did not guest speak very often. So it was a pretty rare uh, occasion, you know, usually like you're so busy on Sundays, it's hard to get away. Um, but I'm actually really looking forward to this this chance. Uh, it's actually at the church of one of our previous guests. Um, and so it'll be good to connect with them. And I'm speaking on the topic of worship. So I'm excited about that. But I have a very busy week next week with the conference and then a lake day with our church staff, um, kind of like a fun team building day. And so trying to get all that work done this week. So it's kind of been a busy week. Um, but you know, sometimes when you have, have rest and fun, you know, you got to work double uh, the week before, the day before. So that's how it's been for me. What about you? How are things, how are things going? Yeah, good. You know, on the preaching note, um, so I'm, I'm doing a, uh, a shorter mini series right now for our church on what is the church talking about, like, just kind of, kind of reminding us what it means to be the church, especially as we're going on, whatever it is, month 20 of this pandemic, just reminding us what it means to be God's people and how, you know, in spite of everything that's going on, how we should be gathering and how we can be gathering uh, to continue being the church. And so actually, I'm actually going to be talking about also some of the issues that the church faces right now. Uh, one of the things I think that's been concerning for all of us, I think, is this uh, spiritual deconstruction. We've seen a lot of things, I think a lot of people who have uh, kind of gone through this process of questioning their faith and uh, even deconstructing the point of renouncing their faith or, uh, you know, turning their back on, on the faith. So I want to address that for our church this weekend. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm also, uh, it's challenging because there are people who are close to me in my life who have gone through that process and who are not walking with Christ right now. And so it's, it's kind of a painful, uh, bittersweet process to kind of be preparing this sermon, thinking of those people, um, but on a happy note, uh, also, um, we're celebrating our, our, uh, fifth child's third birthday today. And Ooh. so, uh, I, I got a chance to spend the day with him. Uh, we went to two different parks in the neighborhood, uh, went out for a cheeseburger and had a lot of fun. So John, you know him, he's probably got the most personality of our kids. Uh, he's just, he's just kind of crazy, but. He, he was just, it was a lot of fun to hang out with him today and, and just spend some, some quality time with him. So it was, it was a good day. Awesome. Happy birthday, JJ. It's kind of hilarious. I feel like this is not the first um, time that you've 
had one of the kids have a birthday specifically on the day we recorded. So um, yeah, just funny how it lined up this year for that. Yeah. So that series that you're doing though uh, at your church, that, that sounds really interesting. And um, you know, I, I can, I can sense the tension that you feel as you prepare for that message. Um, I'm looking forward to checking out that message uh, online. And as much as I'm ready for this pandemic to be over and uh, sick of all everything to do with online and live stream and all that. And I just want to go back to like in-person church only. Uh, I do think that one of the upsides of of all these churches moving stuff to, you know, an online platform has been the ability for me to check out what my friends are doing and mm. um, how they're preaching and what are they talking about? What is God speaking through them? And it's not something that we really could have done before this uh, regularly. And so right. Uh, I have been, I am looking forward to that, uh, checking your message out. I've been, you know, peeking in on different buddies kind of over the last uh, year and a half or so. So, but yeah, speaking of uh, one of our buddies, somebody, a friend of the podcast joining us tonight, um, we have Dorothy Lau on with us. Dorothy is the assistant youth director at Chinese Bible Church of Maryland. Um, but you and I, Jalen, we knew her um, when she was a part of the CCUC family. And so, uh, we've known her for a long, long time, um, served in ministry with her. Uh, she was a teen camp counselor when I was there, I think at least one time when you were speaking, if not more than once. Um, and so Dorothy, we are so glad that you're on the podcast with us. Welcome. And uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a real honor to be here. And uh, I'm just glad to listen in, but also see how I can contribute in any way. Yeah, Dorothy, thanks for joining us. Uh, we always start our podcast by asking our guests um, to share their journey and their process with us. Can you share about your ministry journey, uh, how God called you into uh, ministry? Yeah, sure. So it was kind of a doozy, to be honest. Um, as you noted earlier, having grown up in CCUC, I think there is such a unique experience being, you know, at a church in Chinatown and specifically the youth ministry at CCUC, it was all very formative. Um, in fact, I felt inclined to enter the ministry ever since I was 16 years old. And I would say that there was quite a remarkable contribution given teen camp. But although in my earlier teenage years, there was a sort of like sensationalism to it, it became more clear through the years that God was preparing my life and my heart to serve him. So I would say that the decision, quote unquote, kind of came at my latter years in college, especially my senior year of college, when I attended the 2012 Urbana Missions Conference or Missions Convention. And it was then and there that um, I felt most inclined, most called and convicted to enter ministry. I didn't really know how that looked at the time. And I was scared to death because I was thinking, you know, what would my parents say? How would my friends see me? And is this really what God wants me to do? But basically from that point, moving onward, I persisted and pursued what I felt God was really leading me towards. So I took a gap year after undergrad. I was working a couple of odd jobs um, but I was involved in youth ministry, got involved with uh, some internships and externships with CCUC, and I was also in seminary after that gap year. So I was in a two-year program for spiritual formation and discipleship at Moody Theological Seminary. And then after two years almost of working in 
unrelated, engineering and project management. Then that's how I got connected with my current position in Maryland as working for the church, the Chinese Heritage Church, um, as the assistant youth director. Awesome. Yeah, you know, I think just uh, hearing your story and how it was a a process and a journey of God calling you into ministry and using different places along the way to kind of refine that. Um, that's just such an encouraging thing to hear. We were curious, or I was curious about um, what are some of the lessons that you've learned uh, as you've transitioned from like a volunteer intern extern role at CCUC, um, you know, this church in uh, Chicago, in Chicago's Chinatown, and then uh, have transitioned to now a role in uh, in Maryland uh, and, and a staff role at that. It's like a different dynamic. So what have been some of the lessons you've learned? What's that experience been like for you? It's been different. I will definitely say that. Um, for the most part, I think it helped that I was bivocational when I was at um, CCUC. So even while I was working a full-time job that wasn't ministry, I was still working part-time at CCUC and um, still doing youth and worship related matters. And when I then transitioned into this role here in Maryland, then it was kind of like coming full circle, but also like zoning in and being much more focused on my role in youth ministry rather than, you know, having my mind and my time being so split. And probably some of the most almost basic, but super vital lessons, which I've learned are that communication is so key. <laughs> um, secondly, it's important to appreciate and take care of our volunteers. Um, but lastly, it's that boundaries are good and essential um, because if there is no separation between like serving and a Sabbath, I think it's very easy for one to develop a sort of bitterness for how much they would be serving or how much they would be working and engaging even for ministry. Right. But sometimes too much of a good thing can become a bad thing when it becomes inherently prideful or destructive. Um, but going back to the first two that I mentioned that communication is key as uh, the first one, my goodness, um, there's this, you know, this thing that East Asian culture does where we speak kind of indirectly. And so instead of answering yes or no to that respective question, it's like a talking around point or, you say yes or no by stating something else and you kind of have to read it between the lines. And I'm the type of person where, you know, truth be told, sometimes it needs to be dumbed down and be so black and white. Like if I'm asking you, are you going to be here or not? Because I want to let someone into the building, you know, I might receive a response saying, well, that person should have the code. <laughs> and then I would email back and say, so is that a no? <laughs> right. Um, communication is so key. Not that I'm trying to be cheeky by any means, but I think I don't want to assume anything of anyone and I want to be fair so that I'm not unintentionally putting on like a, a false impression of someone's motives or actions. Um, so communication is key, especially in a trilingual church and you all have experience with that. So I, need I say more, uh, but secondly, to appreciate and take care of our volunteers. Um, another nuance, I guess, in the Chinese heritage church is there is a high value on knowledge and gifts, um, but Sometimes we may be more concentrated on what a person has to offer and not necessarily on their heart and on their soul. So appreciating and taking care of our volunteers, it's like you're taking care of the whole person and not just caring about what they can contribute. I think in the time that you've already, you know, just spent in ministry, those are 
those are important lessons to hold on to for the rest of, of ministry and, and certainly just great reminders for all of us. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, growing up in the Chinese Heritage Church at Chinese Christian Union Church, uh, those were formative years for you. Uh, what are some of the unique characteristics of the Chinese Heritage Youth Ministry? Have you found to be a blessing to you? What are some of those things that do you value? Wow, this is kind of a loaded question, and it does, you know, give the true vibe to a TPT, like a throwback Thursday. I would say that one of the primary ones is, um, well, I guess all of these speak to the East Asian culture, right? Um, like, let's be real. It's very communal and it's very sacrificial and love is demonstrated in action, not by words. So when I say that some of these blessings that have come through working in the Chinese Heritage Church and growing up in the Chinese Heritage Church are that um, there's a emphasis and priority on fellowship, mentorship, and service. So why I say fellowship? It's because uh, there's just a culture of hanging out and spending time together, right? But I think, you know, growing up in the Chinese Heritage Church, or at least specifically at CCUC, it's, there was always a space to be together. And whether it was more casual, or it was deliberate, um, I think that really attributed to the sense of familial camaraderie, that you don't just see each other as, oh, they go to my youth group, or, oh, like my parents, you know, and their parents are friends, but it's like, we are friends, we are brothers and sisters, specifically, and particularly in the faith. Um, so I think it's just creating those deliberate and spiritually infused spaces that we can invest in each other's Christian journeys. Um, so that was fellowship. And then secondly, I think mentorship was a big blessing growing up, although it might not have always been programmatic or structured. I would say that when I was a student, it was astounding to see firsthand the absolute dedication diligence and Christ-like love that was poured into our souls by so many older brothers and sisters in the faith who served. And um, it was, it was a sad reality when, you know, things uh, happened in the church and um, they were no longer our counselors, but the model had been set and that example had been laid out. And so it was really, um, of course, they were following and trying to live out Christ as much as possible. But that was really a demonstration for us as like millennials growing up um, to see this is how it is to really invest and serve in the Chinese Heritage Church. And uh, that was really tremendous blessing is mentorship and having those older role models. Actually, I remember Jalen, uh, when I was like maybe in elementary school, Technically, you were the person who like first taught me guitar. I remember we were like sitting outside on the church steps and like you and a ton of other high schoolers were like jamming out. Maybe it was like a week or so after teen camp, something like that. And um, I hadn't yet got a junior camp, but I was like, oh, that looks cool. I want to try. And then, you know, you sat me down and then you're like teaching me the G chord and uh, like the C chord. And I was like, I have a lot of fond memories over that, like you and Michael and Ethan. And uh, I just thought it was so cool. Right. But that cool factor turned more into like, wow, these guys really want to follow God. And I think I want to see what that's about, too. So mentorship is a big thing. Um, and then finally, service. I think it goes without saying how um, <laughs> in the Asian culture, you know, we won't say I love you. We'll say, like, did you eat yet? <laughs> or like, come and let's go shopping. You know, it's through demonstration, through hands. Um, so I'd say that service was always a way to be involved and 
um, the blessing of growing up in a Chinese heritage church and having service opportunities, like they are just everywhere, whether it was a homeless outreach, doing some kind of physical labor, like, hey, set up chairs and tables for Sunday school, um, or simply participating or helping to do scorekeeping in the sports ministry, like the Labor Day sports tournament in the past, summer camp, and students being able to get involved through like putting the whole thing together, student leadership teams, vacation Bible club or school, however they call it these days. Um, and if it wasn't in Chinatown, there was always a plethora of churches around the Chicagoland with whom we could partner. So service, I would say, was so deeply ingrained into uh, the Chinese Heritage Church, along with mentorship and fellowship. And those were probably the biggest blessings that I look back on and see and how maybe this generation now might not get a lot of that. And so it's like, how can we complement each other in those regards? Yeah, I think as you're, you know, describing your experience and the ways that the church has blessed you and the way that uh, it's poured into you over the years, I, I just resonate with that so much because I think that's been our story too, that we have seen just the work of many faithful people ahead of us that have set example that have poured into our lives. And, and you know, I, I really feel like in my time as a youth pastor, uh, so much of what I did was basically, um, you know, just a reflection of what others had done for me, you know, leading up to that point in my life. And so I know now that you are um, serving and leading a youth ministry and and investing back into young people, you know, um, that's just such a, a great way to see like this picture of generational transference from one generation to the next of people following Jesus. But in your role now, now that you're leading uh, a youth ministry, Mm -hmm. What are what are some of the joys or the things that bring you joy when it comes to working with young people um, in your church? That's always a narrow one to define because there are lots of things that bring me joy. I guess you could say, you know, I try to Marie Kondo my ministry sometimes, right? <laughs> what does it spark in me? But the things that immediately come to mind are uh, having the empathy to connect with these kids because their current struggles often are what I went through when I was a student. And so it's so true that wisdom is gained from those periods of our lives that seem the most dark, but that the light really comes through because that light is Christ. And as I have gotten older and now I'm working with my current students and they're articulating some of their emotions or their struggles or their stresses, it brings me back to my pubescent years think, oh, wow, I remember what was like to be like that and I don't miss it, <laughs> but that empathy is still there. And um, it's a familiar dynamic often between the first generation and second generation, or in other words, the immigrant parents and the American born children and navigating those relationships. Um, another thing that brings me joy, this is probably the purest one, uh, not that the others are tainted, but um, witnessing kids to own their faith and to honor God in every part of their lives. And they just have so much earnestness and sincerity to do that. You know, whether it's through their speech, through their actions, the friends that they make, the circles of influence in which they become involved. So there's really like that praise the Lord, like PTL moment when you see kids actually practice their faith. And in that it develops into the spiritual fruit, right? I think it goes without saying, but I'll still say it, that we entrust to the Lord, the seeds that have been planted, and that the time we've put forth is always going to be worth it because God is continually cultivating that land. But then when you start to see that fruit and you start to notice the change and transformation in these students, 
there's like this sense of like, let's be real. It's like you feel validated or encouraged in your own ministry because you remember some moments where you were like griping with God, like, God, why am I doing this? Or God, how come like it has to be this hard or Lord, like, is this even making a difference? And so in a way, I do believe that those small pieces of fruit, whether they're, you know, grandiose or somewhat modest, it's like God is kind of pushing us along and in a humble way saying, Hey, look what happened. And, you know, we look upon that. I look upon that in my students and it does bring me joy, but also sometimes brings me tears of joy because it it shows me in such a gracious way that where I may have doubted or may have had some discouragement, like even that little bit of fruit is really what props me up and reminds me how much the Lord is using every moment and every student in different ways for his glory and for his kingdom. And uh, it's always humbling to me to look back and to look forward to see that ministry is not in vain because God works everything for his good for those who love him. Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, as you shared that, that is one of the huge joys that we have as, as, as ministers, right, is seeing God use us in spite of our weaknesses, instead of, in spite of our insufficiencies and to, and to see that he produces fruit with, you know, with whatever we have to offer, you know, and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and at the same time, as you said too, there's, there's times where God doesn't show us the fullness of that fruit being born, uh, in a way to keep us humble, right. Uh, so that we don't have a huge head. So, uh, that's definitely, that's definitely true. I think in, in ministry, Oh, I was almost going to say, it's like thinking about growing an avocado. It takes like, what, seven years for that pit to become even like a tree of any sort. So it's like, when you think about ministry, it's like trying to grow an avocado tree. It's going to take a long time and a lot of care and a lot of sunlight. So you better get the son of God all up in there. Okay. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. Let me ask you the flip question though. What are some of the challenges of serving youth in the Chinese heritage church? For sure. The ethnic church will almost always be more complicated than a typical Western Anglo-Saxon Protestant church. Um, And I say that why? Because you have to deal with different variables or barriers one could consider, mostly the social, cultural, linguistic, but generational values and perspectives. Um, It's not just a way that we see things, but it's also ministry um, through philosophy or philosophy of ministry rather. And youth ministry in a suburban context and in an urban context, although you have the same like ethnic group of people, the way that ministry may progress and be structured and geared towards a specific demographic or audience can be totally different. Um, I'll speak more generally just so that it's like not too targeted, but um, youth ministry isn't just ministry to the kids. Um, in an ethnic church, it's like the parents send the kids to the youth ministry in a partial percentage that they will get saved at the youth ministry. And what that kind of means is youth ministry isn't really happening in the home. And I think that's another challenge with youth ministry is that it should be wholesome and in a familial dynamic. It's not just at the church. Um, So sometimes when, you know, you have distressed parents coming to want to talk to you and they're very, much wrestling with uh, how they feel or what they see in their kids, I may think to turn the question back and say, you know, how are you leading Christ in the home? And they may give a very 
full answer to say we do family devotions or we watch service together or we go to church together right but then it's it's not always clear that christ is being modeled in the home and so in a way what that brings a challenge in youth ministry is such that there's so many nuances and everyone has a story as to um, what's going on in the home but they don't necessarily talk about it outside of the home even to the youth ministers. And a thing that maybe is human nature is you don't want to say you have a problem until the problem is almost nearly at its worst point. So ministering to the family is really quite the challenge. And I deal more so with youth, to be honest, like the students themselves. My superior um, or supervisor, um, the youth pastor, he probably interacts more with the parents. And I give a lot of credit to him because he's able to think and to speak in a way that it's like, he's taking the whole family dynamic into account. And I'm just thinking, well, this is how the kids feel. And I don't want to like upset the parents. And there's always that delicate balance in between. Um, so it's like the ultimate challenge in youth ministry for me is how to come alongside the students and to support the parents without causing further division or stress in their relationship. Um, but really what that all points back to, and I'm not trying to be oversimplistic in this is like, how do we model Christ as individuals, but also model Christ in a home. And that will translate then to the community. Um, so getting kids, you know, to encounter Christ and engage in the Christian faith in kind of an insular environment is hard. Cause even as these are Christian families, like not all the kids will be believers. That's the reality. They may go to church, but they might not have saving faith. They may have knowledge of who, God should be or is, right? But then do they believe it? We don't always know. Um, at the same time, parents want to protect their kids from hardships and controversial issues, but then they're both looking to the church for answers. And in a larger church, there's another challenge that we have to be very careful about how we go about teaching certain topics because not everyone will see eye to eye. And I would hope and pray that when we do approach those topics, um, we would all have a sense of openness and humility to listen more than to talk. Yeah, Dorothy, uh, I was going to ask you, you know, I know you said that you primarily are working with the students and uh, that your supervisor, the youth pastor, has um, done a lot of the discipleship with parents. But I was just wondering, have you had any opportunity um, to come alongside parents and, and disciple them or teach um, or encourage in any way? And then a, a second question I had, which is actually for Jalen, you know, as a parent of um, five children, and uh, you are definitely discipling your own kids in the home. Are there ways that you have seen that uh, have been helpful for you and um, Jenny as you've been, you know, leading your children uh, in the way of Jesus that you can pass on to Dorothy or to anyone that's in ministry that's working a lot with parents uh, of youth? So we'll start with Dorothy. Sure, sure. So, question being, how or in what ways have I been able to come alongside parents or encourage them? Um, etc. So I will say that thankfully, my youth volunteers are diverse, not necessarily ethnically, it's diverse in that there are different life stages. Um, we have a college senior, we have um, maybe three or four young adults uh, who are married or working professionals, or were married and or working professionals. Um, and then we have one retired public school teacher. And um, one of our deacons, um, is also a working professional, right? So these are all volunteers, but they have different life stages and life experiences. Um, and some of them are parents. So I think there has been the very clear benefit and blessing that 
not only am I investing in them and they are investing in me as uh, co-laborers in Christ, but I think um, there is that shared onus of the youth ministry. And while their families might not be um, experiencing the same types of struggles as other families, right? I'm able to connect with my volunteers who can connect with these other parents. And in a similar vein, there will be a few parents who may come to both me and the youth pastor to have uh, an open discussion or a dialogue about what's going on in the home. I tend to be quiet in those meetings because again, I try to listen more than I speak because I'm not married and I'm also not a parent. And um, if people ask me why not either, I just say, well, because I have many students, I have many kids <laughs> that I look after in the youth ministry. But there will be times that I do interact or am able to encourage parents, but it's not always going to be structured. It may be more spontaneous, but this also breeds the um, necessity of discipleship and investing in and appreciating our volunteers. And thankfully, since some of my volunteers are parents, then by investing in them, they can invest in other parents as well. Yeah, you know, and John, I think to your question, um, certainly I, I want to have as, you know, as a dad, I want to have a robust discipleship process in my home. Um, and that that's more than obviously just having a curriculum, right? That's not like, I'm, it's not that we're having, you know, a Bible study every night, but we do have a, we do have a, a very drawn out bedtime routine where we sing a worship song together and we do a devotional together. And then uh, I think I've shared before that we pray for each of our kids uh, on specific days. So each one of our kids will pray for uh, one family member each day. And, and part of that is very, that's a very structured sort of thing that we do. But uh, in addition to that, Jenny and I make sure to have spiritual conversations regularly, right? And to make sure that our kids are seeing not just that we have this head knowledge about who Jesus is, mm. but this experiential um, knowledge about Jesus, mm -hmm. just in the way that he, he showed up in our lives, just the way that he's, uh, blessed us, um, how he's, uh, how he's been walking with us through the different trials that we have. And I think for our kids to see that is so helpful. Mm -hmm. And I think for, you know, what, what I would share with, you know, our, our youth pastor, when we, when we had a youth pastor was, I want you to, to come alongside that right? I want you to partner with me in helping them not just fill their heads with, you know, the head knowledge of, of our faith, but what does it really mean to walk in the faith? And, you know, for our, for, for my kids, I think that I want them to get truth, but also like have other voices who share that too, you know, and, and I'll, and I'll kind of jump into my little, you know, I, so we send our kids to a, uh, to a Christian school, and I know that's not for everybody. That's, you know, whatever God calls you to, there are some families that are called to homeschool. There's some families that are called to Christian school. Other kids are called to um, public school. God has a place for that. For, for me, I think what our family has, has prayed through and thought through is that we want to have our kids in a school with teachers who share the same biblical values that we do. Uh, this is a kind of the third prong of discipleship for us, right? We have our, our church, we have our school, and then we have our family, which the, the bulk of our discipleship happens in. But in, the, in those three areas, we want our kids to be um, fed the same consistent message about who Jesus is and about who God is. And so, you know, I, I really do value what our church does in, in our youth ministry. Um, but that's, 
you know, the, the, our church is not the only place where our kids should be discipled. And so, uh, you know, I, I think certainly Dorothy, you get that for sure. But, you know, I, I'm hopeful that our youth pastors um, who are listening recognize that it's not all, it's not all on you, right? The, 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 the faith of each child, each student, it doesn't all fall on you. Uh, you're part of that process of discipleship that really should be happening in the home. And so, um, yeah, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that we have, we have families that recognize that and understand that. And we want more of our families, right. To understand mm-hmm. that, Hey, you know, as a parent, you are the primary discipler of mm-hmm. your kids. So make sure that you're taking the steps to do that. I know for myself, just uh, observing the way that you and Jenny have led your family, something that I really appreciate um, because I get to participate in this is that you have invited um, your friends who follow Jesus to, to play a key role in being examples to your children, that in our fellowship, in our friendship, um, your kids are watching other people who are different from their parents, uh, yet followers of Christ, you know, watching their example of what it looks like to, to walk with Jesus. And, and that's so key. Like when I think back to my, um, you know, time as a youth pastor, uh, just when families like would, would gather um, and, it, you know, it wasn't just like the parents, though the parents have the primary responsibility, it's the parents' friends that have, have uh, a huge amount of influence on the life mm-hmm. and the spiritual development of, of uh, especially teenagers, but uh, I think even young children as well. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's so valuable to, to model, um, to continue to do. And, you know, I think like, like churches that are able to figure out ways to do that in health, like in healthy ways, oh, yeah, um, for sure. that's, that's, that's really great. And um, is going to have long-term impact on the next generation. And that's something that really matters to all three of us, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, for Jalen, you have a vested personal interest in the next generation walking with the Lord and, and uh, both Dorothy and I have, or are currently are, um, you know, we're working with young people. And so, yeah, you know, my hope is that our listeners, as they are kind of wading through these, these different ideas, different issues, uh, that they would be encouraged to continue to partner with parents uh, well um, and encourage the parents to really um, develop deep friendships with other followers of Jesus so that their children would benefit from that. Dorothy, kind of going back to you and your uh, your time leading the youth ministry um, at your church, I know that you have a deep love of uh, worship and not just a love of worship, but a love of Jesus that is expressed through worship. Um, and so I was just wondering if there have been ways that you have uh, been able to integrate that love um, of, you know, uh, expression through music uh, into the ministry that you do um, at uh, CBCM? It's kind of like inevitable for me to get involved with worship. Like, even though my job description states, like, I am the assistant youth director, it has nothing to do with worship in there directly. But um, when I first came on to uh, the staff at CBCM, um, I did like, it was like the third or fourth week that I was there and uh, I was just helping out playing guitar. And then almost every week and following, I was being scheduled. Um, so I was like, this is okay. Sure. I guess I'll help. Um, but eventually it kind of built up into something more where, um, not only was I helping on the team, but then, um, I was starting to get more involved with the AV side of things, media ministry and learning, 
how you know operating audio and um, pro presenter and uh, starting to help purchase equipment, right? So it kind of just went full blown in there um, and also helped out with the, the Chinese missions convention, at least the East Coast branch of it. And um, then I led for my church almost all throughout COVID and we were when we were pre-recording services. So um, I think getting involved in the musical worship ministry, it's definitely, you know, a love and a passion of mine because there's just such a special way to connect with the Lord and letting a melody be like the front line for it. Recently, I've been more invested, reasonably so, um, in the youth worship team, which actually as of like September, it just doubled in size. So we went from like uh, six or seven kids to like 12 to 15 kids. Some of them are not in planning center yet, but I mean, it's just seeing their eagerness to serve, to get involved uh, is really encouraging. And it reminds me of, you know, when I was a student at CCUC and helping out with kingdom seekers. And although at the time I was like the only female worship team member for a long time, um, actually this team is like two thirds girls too. Um, but worship is just so integral now to the youth culture. And, um, we have like three or four orchestral instrument players. So I guess, you know, being an orchestra is, is kind of like a cool thing around here. Not a lot of guitar players, but there are people who want to learn. So it's been really cool just to offer some of my gifts and some of my experience and the kids um, want to take hold of that and to build up their skill set. They're not afraid to try new things, especially after the pandemic. Um, but honestly, I've never seen myself, despite my involvement as a worship mentor or like an influencer, you could say in quotes, um, because I just wanted to help to get involved and to like enjoy the Lord through the act of musical worship. But I guess that's kind of where my role has ended up with the students and a couple of younger worship leaders here at my church when I first started. I'm not leading anymore as of this fall, but I've uh, stayed on as like a consultant and I'm trying to help the media ministry. I think um, what took a hit because of COVID was a lot of our volunteers uh, we're not going into help with recording and all that. And um, even when we were pre-recording, there was only a very select number of worship leaders who could record and mix and lead and like, like sing and play at the same time and then do all the editing themselves. Um, even then, it was just a, an uphill battle. Um, but at the point we are now, I think I'm really glad to see how God's faithfulness has brought these congregants back to the, into the church, as well as um, refreshing those volunteers and developing new volunteers. So um, all in all to say that um, I started out leading worship, but then uh, I started training more students to know how it's like to work in that team. Um, but now I'm also investing more in trying to develop volunteers who feel confident to serve in this ministry and context and also feel cared for, which is one of the key values I stated earlier in this podcast. So um, I don't think I can ever get away from worship and I don't want to, <laughs> but uh, a more cognizant um, thing that I've been aware of is making sure that we're picking songs that are actually biblical <laughs> They have fantastic melodies, but um, this is certainly another topic for another time. But it's just been a very 
a poignant challenge because um, we grew up in an age of explosive Christian contemporary music. But I think as I get older, I'm finding more appreciation and gratitude and necessity for lyrics that are descriptive and truthful as much they are pleasant to the ears. So that's that's been a challenge, but also a benefit and blessing um, in this in this environment, in this culture, and coming out of COVID as well. That's a good reminder for us, I think, for as we you know as we lead worship, whether musically or uh, from the word preaching to, to stay biblical, right? Mm -hmm. That's such a, that's a, such a big challenge for us to, to make sure that we do that. We're not just up there entertaining mm -hmm. and we're not just being up there to, to present or perform, but we are uh, connecting people truly to the word of God and to, uh, yeah. and to experience of Christ. So yeah, that's a good word. You know, as we wrap up, one of the things that we ask our, our guests uh, is what, what is one piece of advice or encouragement you would give to someone currently serving in the Chinese Heritage Church? I know probably more respondents will give some really smashing spiritual advice and I wholly welcome it. Um, but mine may be on the more uh, maybe petty is not the right word, but simple side of the spectrum. <laughs> and I'll just simply advise or encourage um, someone serving in the Chinese Heritage Church, don't take yourself too seriously. And I say that because there have been many points where, whether in the past or sometimes even in the current, I may receive like a negative response as like, I'm saying no to you as a person, right? Um, or simply that you may disagree with another brother or sister, but it doesn't mean that they don't like you. Um, but even then, when making ministry decisions or interacting with our context, uh, sometimes lightheartedness, a little humor, it helps to break the ice. And um, one anecdote I guess I'll give is when I first came here, everyone supposedly thought I was a comedian because of how many jokes I was cracking. And to be honest, I, <laughs> I told someone, um, it's like one of my volunteers is like, you are so funny. Like, how do you just come up with this stuff? Like, um, frankly, I, I'm uncomfortable a lot. So I just make a lot of jokes because <laughs> I didn't have a lot of friends when I came and I didn't really know too many people and people are like super nice. Don't get me wrong, but, um, I'm not from around here and like being in any new social setting was just awkward to me. And I tried to not make it awkward by being awkward somehow that cancel each other out. Um, so don't take yourself too seriously. And I think there's always a time and place to be grave and to um, be solemn or stoic. But I think, you know, when you add a little bit of that humor or um, just being lighthearted, it can lessen some of the tensions that are systemic between the cultures and in the church environment. And it just shows like, hey, I, I wanna know you and I want us to work well together. So I hope we can get along, but more than that, I hope we can really love each other with the love of Christ. Um, and even I think, you know, the Lord had a sense of humor. So we can, we can have a little bit of that as well in these growing and budding friendships and Christ-like relationships. That's some great advice, Dorothy. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been great to just hear um, what God has been doing in your life and um, in your ministry. So thank you for, for sure. hanging out with us tonight. Thank you for the invitation. It's been great. Thanks, Dorothy. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. 
Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.